And I watched the trees, okay? Suddenly, out of the blue, I watched them land about three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And they, they all gather there, and whether they're communicating with one another, they suddenly all take off. That's my 95-year-old dad, Richard, who spends just about every afternoon watching the birds outside his window as he passes the time while living under the coronavirus lockdown in his senior living residence. I'm Margaret Pothig, and this is Keeping Dad Alive. Meanwhile, up on the steps of the backside of the Capitol, we're seeing protesters overcome the police. The police are now running back into the Capitol building. We have cheers from the protesters that are watching behind the scenes. This is incredible. I live seven miles, as the crow flies, from the U.S. Capitol building And under normal circumstances, I work in a federal agency building just a mile away from the Capitol. The protesters have overcome the police and are now gathered on the backside of the stairs of the Capitol building. It's January 16th, 10 days after the attack on the U.S. Capitol by the supporters of President Trump and four days to the inauguration of the next president, Joe Biden. The last four years have taken a toll on my faith in humanity. So while the events were unfolding at the Capitol and in the ensuing days, my partner Dick and I were watching a different spectacle on our back deck. I've never seen it before. That that yellow one? The yellow tip. Yes. Did you get a close-up of that? Yeah. Holy moly, I've never seen it. Flock of them coming through, I guess. I think my dad and I have been dealing with world problems in similar ways. Apparently, we're not the only ones who have turned to the birds for distraction from current events. Just the other day, my dad found a passage from the Lost Notebooks of Lauren Isley, his favorite author. Among other things, Lauren Isley was a natural science writer, and this note from his journal, published after he died, was written in the 1960s, another time of divisiveness and deep sorrow in this country. It happens every spring, and nobody seems to take any notice of it all. There are no congressional investigations, no cross-examinations of witnesses before television. No one hurls himself out of a window. Nevertheless, it happens every spring, and there is no doubt that it smacks of sheer communism. I refer to the expropriation and reassignment of land in these states and the incredible way in which even city properties fall victim to it. In 66, we were fighting in Vietnam against the communist insurgents there. And he decides that (laughs) the pure example of communism is the way the birds just take over without any investigation or any drawing of lines. The whole thing is tongue in cheek. I can appreciate how Isley is, you know, trying to draw a connection between the heavy political discourse about communism and the behavior of birds. On closer inspection, his comparison falls apart a little. I mean, communism is a human invention, and birds are just birds, right? In Isley's defense, though, he was making kind of a joke, and he told his wife not to publish his personal journals. I, at least, shall not be silent. I shall speak out. 
The whole thing smacks of subversion and disrespect for the laws of private property. It may well merit investigation. Isley's right. It is an invasion. At the same time, insurrectionists were carrying out murder and mayhem a few miles from my house. Large flocks of birds were congregating on my deck and in the trees surrounding it. Huge flocks of robins, blue jays, starlings, and littler birds like wrens and chickadees. And to my delight, a new bird landed, the cedar waxwing. In a day or two, they had consumed all the beautiful red berries on my holly tree and left railings and the deck under the birdbath splattered with copious amounts of deep purple bird poop. From my perspective, the bird poop is a small price to pay to participate in this glorious party. We want to somehow have relationships with these things in nature. What do you think that is about, Dad? Well, I think we're all of one piece. I mean, I think we have not been able to really understand the fact that we all are part of the same creation. We have some of the things in us that relate to other things. Right now, I'm a whole lot more interested in discovering how I'm related to the birds splashing in the birdbath on my back deck than to the human creatures planning attacks on state capitals on Inauguration Day. For Christmas, I bought for both my dad and for me a book called What It's Like to Be a Bird by David Allen Sibley. I, as I read all these bird stories, and they're all different, because some of them are water birds that hide among the marshlands, and some of them are eagles that fly so high, and some of them are little birds that have great songs. They all have a way of life, let's say, a way of life that they are able to perform. Yes, and I say to myself, man, the birds are just an interesting group of people. Even Sibley writes that he felt compelled to explain what it is like to be a bird in terms of how it compares to being human. He talks about the relationship between instinct and feelings and how the only way he can explain the complex decisions that birds are able to make in order to survive is to assume that birds have feelings like we do. Feelings such as satisfaction, anxiety, and pride. Maybe even affection for humans. Down in Louisville, these little sparrows, one of them flew into my door down there on the porch and knocked himself out. And I picked him up and I started petting his head consistently for about five or 10 minutes. And I set him up on the fence around the porch until he got himself back into shape, okay? Mm -hmm. I had petted him, I petted his head. Yeah, then I walked away. The next day, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When these birds were flying, this one little bird stood there by the by the door, looking in, kind of like he wanted me to do the same thing for him again. <laughs> I said, "Man, he's really kind of related to me now." <laughs> Nothing delights me more than when a bird plops itself in the bath and shakes itself vigorously, spraying droplets and like a two-foot radius around its tiny body. Thanks to Sibley's book, I now know that bathing, followed up by preening, is essential for the bird to keep its feathers in flying form. But I think the birds are having a blast, and the word is out that mine is the best birdbath in the neighborhood. 
I think my dad is experiencing the same kind of connection to the birds as he watches them fly in and out of the street trees right outside his window. Then there are lots of little ones doing all kinds of loop-to-loops and stuff just right now outside here as I look out the window. I think they're sparrows. With just a half turn of my swivel chair, I could instead be looking at the TV, watching history being made with the second impeachment of President Trump and the investigation and arrests of those responsible for the attack on the U.S. Capitol. On this vote, the ayes are 232, the nays are 197. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. But like Lauren Isley, I'd rather be thinking about the birds. I am not sure that the American eagle himself is free of the taint of this thing. Others more competent to speak may clear the eagle. In any case, it would not do to shatter rapidly confidence in so noble a symbol. I'm done with noble symbols. Rather than seeing the eagle through the eyes of these self-described patriots on the Capitol steps, I'd rather see the eagle through my dad's eyes. When I was sitting on the back beach a long time ago, and suddenly out of a high tree, high pine tree across the lake, an eagle took off. And the eagle must have sensed the wind because he caught a current and he kept his wings open and he glided into a circle began as wider, wider circles when they got smaller and smaller. He began to rise, rise, rise into the air. Until when I finally looked up into the sky as I followed him, he was just a speck against the sky. And the hymn that comes to me is The Lone Wild Bird. Yeah. Can you sing it? Your mother, if I asked your mother to sing it, she probably could start us out. Okay, should you know, we go get her? Yeah. Do you want? <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I want to sing The Lone Wild Bird. The Lone Wild Bird in lofty flight is still with me nor leaves thy sight and I am thine I rest in thee, come and rest in me. That's the, the hymn that comes to mind when I think back on that. And I love that hymn because I think of the, that bird and I think of the spirit that really it represents. Yeah. I made that recording eight years ago at our family cabin in Wisconsin. My mother died three years ago. Today would have been her 91st birthday. Toward the end of her life, we sang a lot together, as she taught us how to do in harmony. But she could no longer tolerate the sound of her own children's conversations talking over each other, and especially not the noise of the news on the TV. Instead, we'd sit in the parlor of her nursing home, looking out onto the patio, counting with delight the sparrows that fluttered in and out of the trees. 